The Sangha is invited to come back to our breathing so that the collective energy of mindfulness can bring us together as an organism flowing as a river with no more separation. Let the whole Sangha breathe as one body, chant as one body, listen as one body, transcending the boundaries of a delusive self, liberating from the inferiority complex, the superiority complex, and the equality complex. From the depths of understanding of our
Dear friends, today is the 13th of uh, April in the year 2012, and we are on our second day of uh, the retreat in uh, Galani. I remember 30 years ago we had uh, a retreat uh, for children, only for children, in the in. Uh, in Santa Barbara, state of California, North America. There are many hundreds uh, who came and practiced, and the parents also came in order to support uh, the children. And during that retreat, we, uh, we practiced uh, pebble meditation. Bible meditation. Bible meditation was designed for children, but uh, it turned out that the adults like it very much. <laughs> if you want to practice a Bible meditation, you have to go and look for four pebbles outside. You select the best, the most beautiful pebbles, and you wash them and you dry them. And then you can make a little bag like this to put your pebble in. And when the time comes uh, for meditation, and then uh, you bring the bag of pebbles with you, and you sit in a circle of uh, six or eight many groups, one, uh, one of the children will play the role of uh, bell master, the bell master. And they may have a very tiny bell. In order to, to be a bell master, you have to, to learn 
And today uh, we should uh, be, we should have a chance to learn how to how to invite the bell to sound. We don't say hitting the bell or striking the bell. We say invite the bell to sound. And before inviting the bell to sound, we bow to the bell as a friend. And we breathe. And uh, we put the little bell on uh, the palm of our left hand. And we breathe. And there is uh, a poem that you may use in order to to breathe in and out so that you can calm yourself and become a real bell master. When I was uh, ordained as a monk at the age of 16, I, uh, the, first, uh, the first verse that I memorized is, uh, is uh, body, speech, and mind in perfect oneness. I send my heart along with the sound of this bell. May those of you who, who, who hear me awaken from your forgetfulness and transcend the path of anxiety and sorrow. And when you breathe in and out two times, reading that uh, verse silently, uh, you calm your body, you calm your mind, and you become uh, peaceful, and you are a real bell master. And then you, you produce half, a half sound. This is a half sound. It's not a full sound. The half sound is uh, to warn people around you that a real full sound will be produced very shortly. So they have to prepare themselves in order to receive the full sound because the sound of bell is like the sound of uh, uh, the teacher Buddha calling us not to be dispersed anymore, but to go home to ourselves and breathe mindfully and become calm and happy. So the first thing the bell master does is to to produce a half sound. And uh, he or she, the bellmaster, has to wait. Has to allow time for people around them to prepare in order to receive the full sound. Uh, in order to receive the full sound, you have to breathe in mindfully. Breathing in, I calm myself. Breathing out, I smile. And um, during the time you breathe in and you breathe out, you stop thinking, you stop uh, saying things and doing things. And that is enough for you to become calm and well prepared for the reception of the full sun. And uh, I think five or six seconds is enough, enough. So the bell master should allow people around them to have at least uh, six uh, 
six uh, seconds to breathe in and to breathe out. To breathe in, you need at least two seconds, and to breathe out, maybe three seconds. That makes five seconds. And in order to have uh, plenty, to give them plenty of time, you, you offer another extra second. So six seconds is the minimum <coughs> to allow people to prepare themselves for the reception of a full sound. You are so kind to allow us enough time to prepare ourselves for the reception of the first full sound. So you do like this. And you breathe in and you breathe out and you enjoy breathing in. You enjoy breathing out. It takes about five seconds. And then you begin to make a full sound. When people hear the full sound, they enjoy breathing in and out three times. And while breathing in, they say something like, I listen, I listen deeply. This wonderful sound brings me back to my true home. One line for your in-breath and one line for your out-breath. I listen, I listen deeply. This wonderful sound brings me back to my true home. My true home is in here, in the uh, here and the now. And uh, Brother Faplin um, has written a song, put the music into that line, breathing in. Uh, I listen, I listen, breathing out. This wonderful sound brings me back to my true home. We have uh, enough time to memorize in order to enjoy breathing in and breathing out with the sound of the bell. Mm. So I repeat. I listen, I listen deeply. This wonderful sound brings me back to my true home. Three times. And that is uh, what you practice. And the people around you practice when you hear the first full sound. If you are a child, your in-breath and out-breath will be shorter than the in-breath and out-breath of adult. So after you have finished your three in-breath and out-breath, you allow the adult to have uh, a little bit more time so that they can enjoy fully that three in-breath and out-breath. You are very kind to allow us to have enough time to enjoy our three deep breathings that can bring a lot of peace and happiness to us. So after you have finished three times between in and out, you allow them some extra seconds, five or six. And then you invite the bell to sound for the second time.
and then you invite the bell to sound for the third time. And together we will have breathe in and out nine times. And if you do it correctly, there will be a lot of peace and happiness. There is no happiness unless you are peaceful. So today, uh, the young brothers and sisters will train you in order for you to, to know how to be a good bell master. And I will let you borrow this uh, mini bell for the practice. And tomorrow you may come and show us uh, how well you do it. So when the children sit in a circle, one of them play the role of a bell master. And he or she invites the bell for everyone to breathe for three times. And then everyone take out their pebbles. Four. And put on their left. And then with your right hand, you pick up the first pebble. And you look at it for a second. This present pebble represents a flower. Hello, I know you represent a flower. And you put it on your left hand, and your left hand is put on your right hand. And you begin to practice. Breathing in, I see myself as a flower. Breathing out, I feel fresh. I see myself as a flower. You don't have to imagine yourself as a flower because you are a real flower. The human being, the human being is, the, the human body is beautiful. It is a kind of flower in the garden of humanity. When I look at a child, whether there is a girl or a boy, I see him or her as a flower. Very beautiful. Look at her face, a real flower. Look at his tiny hand, it's a real flower with five petals. Look at his tiny foot, oh, that's a real flower also. So the whole uh, body of the child is a real flower. You can spend time contemplating that flower, even when it sleeps. When the child sleeps, it's very beautiful. When she's awake, it's also beautiful. And I'm very happy to, to be surrounded by the children. All of them are fresh, beautiful, and I enjoy the company very much. And I enjoy do, doing walking meditation with them. They give me a lot of freshness and happiness. But there are those of us uh, who do not practice, and that is why we are losing our flowerness in our daily life. We worry too much. We get angry. Uh, we get depressed. We become, we become nervous. And we are losing our freshness and our flowerness a little bit every day. That's a pity. We do not 
know the art of mindful living. That is why we allow our flowerness, our freshness, and our beauty to fade. This is a, a pity. So this meditation on the flower help restore our flowerness, our freshness. Breathing in, I see myself as a flower. Breathing out, I feel fresh. You restore your flower, flowerness, you restore your beauty by practicing mindful breathing, mindful sitting. And you do that three times. Flower, fresh. Flower, fresh. You, you relax and you restore your beauty. And after three times, breathing in and out, you take it and you put it on your right. And now you pick up the second pebble. And you look at it, and this second one represents a mountain. Breathing in, I see myself as a mountain. I can be solid. I can be stable. I can be reliable. That mountain always is always there. If you want to, to go to the mountain, you know the way, because the mountain is always there for you. You can rely on the mountain. So a person who is uh, not stable, a person who is not uh, solid, that person cannot be a happy person. But we see that there are people who are stable, who are solid, who has a stability, you know that that person is a happy person, and we can count on him. We, count, we can count on her because she is reliable. Stability, solidity is what we need. And this meditation helps us to cultivate more stability, more solidity, so that we can be happier. Breathing in, I see myself as a mountain. Breathing out, I feel solid. Mountain, solid. Three times. And then you put it down and you pick up the third pebble. The third pebble, she represents uh, Still, still water, still water. From time to time, we see a lake where the water is absolutely still, and the and the surface of water can reflect very faithfully the blue sky, the mountain, the clouds, the trees. And if you have a camera, you can aim at the water and you take the picture of the sky, 
of the cloud of the mountains. Why? Because uh, the lake is so calm, so still. There is peace. So our mind, when it is calm and peaceful, is very pleasant. It reflects things as they are. It does not uh, distort things. It does not have uh, what we call uh, wrong perceptions. When you misunderstand, when you distort things, you become fearful, angry. You are not happy. But if your mind is calm and peaceful, like still water, and then you are happy and you can reflect things as they truly are. That is why you have to cultivate some stillness, some peace, in order to be truly happy. I know uh, a few school teachers, they know the practice. They bring that practice to the class, and they practice breathing in and out in order for them and for the students to calm themselves for a few minutes before starting to learn and to teach. Very good teachers. So breathing in, I see myself as still water. Breathing out, I reflect things as they truly are. And that meditation on still water is to bring more peace, tranquility, and calm into yourself so that you suffer less and you are not victims of wrong perceptions. This is a very deep meditation and the children can do it three times. Still water, reflecting. And then uh, you pick up the last, the fourth uh, pebble, and she represents space. Breathing in, I see myself as space, immense space. Breathing out, I feel free. Because space means freedom. If you love someone, you may like to offer him or her some space. She needs a lot of space in her heart in order to feel happy. She needs a lot of space around her in order to feel comfortable. So offering space is very important. But if you do not have space in your heart, how can you offer him some space? You have to be free. You should have some freedom in your heart in order to be a happy person before you can offer that freedom and happiness to your beloved one. That is why we need space. We need to meditate on space, breathing in, I see myself as space, immense space. Breathing out, I feel free. Look at the moon, the full moon at night. She's uh, traveling across across the sky. She's so beautiful because uh, there's a lot of space around her. When you arrange flowers, you should know this principle. In order to have a beautiful pot of flower, 
you don't need a lot of flowers. One, two, three, maybe enough. Because each flower needs space around in order to radiate her beauty. So don't put uh, 20, 30 flowers in uh, a bunch. You need only a few. You arrange so that each flower has plenty of space around in order to to radiate the beauty. So a person is a flower, and she needs space in herself and around her. So practicing like this is to remove um, anger, fear, craving, so that you have a lot of space in your heart. And if you are happy and free, you can make uh, the other person happy and free also. Breathing in, I see myself as space. Breathing out, I feel free. So the four pebbles help us to restore and to cultivate beauty, freshness, solidity, stability, calm, peace, and freedom. And that is pebble meditation. You know when you love someone, the most uh, precious uh, gift you can make to him or to her is your refreshing and pleasant uh, presence. Because you are a flower. And if you can restore your flowerness, your beauty, if you can restore your stability, your solidity, and if you can restore your calm, your peace, and if you can restore your freedom, your person is a real gift. You don't need to go and buy something from the supermarket. You offer yourself to him or to her. You go to him or to her and you say, Darling, this is my gift. I'm here for you. I have freedom. I have peace. I have beauty. I have solidity. And this is a wish for you. So please remember that the best thing we can offer to the person we love the most is our presence. <coughs> and this is a mantra. A mantra is a, a, a utterance, a sentence that you that you pronounce that will produce a miracle. And that mantra can be practiced in English. Darling, I'm here for you. With my beauty, with my freshness, with my solidity, with my uh, stability, with my uh, calm, my peace, with my freedom. 
and uh, that is why practicing pebble meditation can help us to be more beautiful, more free, more peaceful. And that is our gift to the person we love. So this is uh, enough for today. Um, you have chance in order to learn and memorize some verses and enjoy your, your, your practice uh, together. We'll see you um, later for walking meditation. So when you hear the small bell, you might like to stand up and turn around and bow to the community before you go out. Stand up and turn around. Turn. Only children. <coughs> wow. Have a good day. Teenagers are requested to stay. Huh? Stay back. Right? Uh, only children. This is the bell. I got a... Please move up. You might like to move up if you like.
Last night uh, we have uh, talked about uh, the kingdom of God in the here and the now. Uh, in the teaching of uh, Christianity, the kingdom of God is there in your heart, is inside. And in the gospel, the, the kingdom of God is described as a tiny seed in your heart. This is uh, from Matthew uh, 13, 32. It is the smallest of seeds but it becomes the largest of uh, garden plants. It grows into a tree, and birds uh, love and make a nest in its branches. It's a very beautiful image. So we have the seed of the kingdom inside of us, and if we know how to touch it, to get in touch, it will become, uh, it will manifest as the kingdom of God in the here and the now. A source of joy, a source of happiness. I think in order to, to handle the suffering in our society, in our nation, in our world, we have to learn how to go back and renew our spirituality, our spiritual heritage. There is the story of a peasant who discovered a treasure in a small piece of land. And he went home and gave away and sell all his land and only kept that uh, treasure. This is a story in the Gospel. When you have discovered the the treasure, the kingdom of God. You have a source of happiness and joy. You don't need anything else. You don't need to run after money, power, fame, and sex. And you know that running after these things, you risk to suffer deeply. But if you know how to get in touch with the kingdom, you can be happy, you can be peaceful, right here and right now. So this teaching is still available, and we have to understand it in a deeper way. Because uh, we don't know how to make that uh, source of happiness available in our daily life because you don't know how to handle the suffering, the pain, the sorrow, the loneliness in us. That is why we are looking for relief outside of us. We are looking for consumption. We, we think that if we consume more, and then we will suffer less. But in fact, we consume only to cover up the loneliness and suffering inside. Mm. 
there is a feeling of vacuum inside. And we cannot bear that. We have to reach out for something with the hope to fill up that uh, vacuum in us. We seek to buy things to consume. We seek a person, a partner. We seek uh, for other, uh, other items and hoping that uh, this can fill up the loneliness in us. Uh, there, is, there are blocks of pain and sorrow and fear in us and we do not know how to handle. And we do not want to get in touch because we feel that it's not pleasant to get in touch with the sorrow, the fear, the anger in us. That is why the tendency to run away from ourselves is, uh, is always there for the majority. And that is why we have consumed this society of uh, consumption. And the more we, are, we do not, uh, we, uh, we are not happier when we consume more, in fact, we suffer more. And by consuming like that, we become corrupted. What we consume uh, destroy our body, destroy our mind. Because the, topic, the item that you consume can be very toxic, whether they are television programs, or magazines, or food. Many of the items we consume in our daily life are highly toxic. There's a lot of uh, anger, despair, craving in what we consume. Suppose we read a newspaper. There's a lot of anger, a lot of frustration, a lot of despair, a lot of violence in it. And after having read that article, we have, we have brought uh, so much poison into ourselves. And even conversation. We feel lonely, we, have, we want to talk with someone, and what the other person say may be full of anger and fear and despair. And one of conversation like that is highly toxic. And because we cannot be with ourselves, that is why we have to reach out to do conversation, to watch television, to read magazines, to eat. And that is why we get more toxins and the situation becomes more and more uh, serious. We don't know how to enjoy the kingdom of God in the here and the now. We don't know how to handle the suffering inside of us in order to transform and heal. That is why we go in the direction of uh, consumption. And that kind of consumption has corrupted us, body and mind. Not only the lady is corrupted, but the clergy also is corrupted because the consumption in the world penetrates into the monastery. And that is what ha has happened.
So you have to wake up to see that we should not follow the path of consumption anymore. You have to go home and rediscover real happiness, real joy, true love. Discover the kingdom of God that is available in the here and the now. It's like that peasant, that farmer who has discovered a treasure and gave up everything else and only kept this uh, treasure. And with the practice of mindfulness and concentration and insight, you can get in touch with the kingdom of God, with the source of joy and happiness that is available in the here and the now. There are three things we should do, at least. The first thing is uh, learn how to make good use of uh, suffering. Usually we think that suffering is what we don't need. But looking deeply, we will discover that between suffering and happiness, there is a connection. We know that uh, a person who does not have uh, understanding and compassion cannot be a happy person. This can be seen clearly enough in our society. A person who does not have uh, understanding and compassion can never relate to any other human being. She's completely cut off because there is no understanding, no compassion, no love. And even if that person has a lot of fame and power and wealth, and wealth she, she or he remains completely lonely, cut off, and suffer very deeply. There are many famous, wealthy people who commit suicide because uh, they are not happy with their fame and their wealth. And when we look at the people, happy people, we see that in them there are two kinds of energy. The energy of understanding, there is an energy of uh, compassion and love. So that we can conclude that uh, love and understanding are the foundation of um, true happiness. And what we are looking for is love and compassion. We seek love and compassion from another person. why we are not capable of uh, generating understanding and love. But when we look deeply into the nature of understanding and compassion, we see the connection between happiness and suffering. Last night we spoke about um, growing lotus flowers, with mud. If there is no mud, there is no lotus. 
and and suffering plays a very crucial role in bringing understanding and compassion. When you get in touch, when you have enough courage and go home to yourself and get in touch with your own suffering and listen to your own suffering, you begin to understand. And compassion is born from that kind of understanding. And when compassion arises, it begins to heal, and you suffer less. You have compassion in you, therefore you suffer less. And when you look at the other person, you can see her suffering or his suffering more easily because you have understood your own suffering. That is why you are in a position to understand his or her suffering much more easily. And when you see them with their suffering, you are no longer angry at him or her. You see that that person does not know how to handle the suffering inside. And if he does uh, say something that makes you happy, that makes you unhappy, that's not exactly because he wants to make you uh, suffer, but because he, do, he does not know how to handle the suffering inside. He's a victim of his own suffering, and you are only another victim. So when you see that, you are not angry at him anymore. Instead, uh, you want to do something, to say something, to help him or her uh, suffer less. And it means that understanding suffering always brings about compassion and true love. That is why we have to define the kingdom of God as uh, a place where there is understanding and love. We should not define the kingdom of God as a place where there is no suffering. Because if there is no suffering, and then there is no understanding and love either. It is because of the fact that you can get in touch with suffering and understanding suffering. That is why love becomes possible. If there is no mud, there is no lotus. So suffering is there. And that is why we, all of us have to learn how to make good use of suffering in order to, to produce beautiful lotus flowers which is uh, happiness and love. Suffering and, and um, and happiness, they are like uh, the recto, the verso, the, the left and the right of a sheet of paper. The right leans on the left in order to be. And the left leans on the right to be. 
If the left is not there, the right is not there either. That is the mystery of interbeing. It's like the above and the below. If there is the above, and there must be the below. You cannot expect to. You can. You you cannot retain the above and ban the below. This is the connection between left and right, above and below. The same is true with suffering and happiness. Suffering and happiness lean on each other in order to manifest. It's like if politically you are on the left, you should not wish that the right disappear entirely. <laughs> because if the right disappear totally, you disappear at the same time. So this is the teaching of interbeing between suffering and happiness. If your child, if you want your child to learn how to be understanding and compassionate, you should not send him or her to a place where there is no suffering. You send your child into a place where there is no suffering, he or she will have no chance to learn, to understand suffering and to have compassion. It is by getting in touch with suffering that understanding arises and compassion arises. So the mud of suffering produces the lotus of understanding and compassion. This is what we have to learn. So our tendency to run away from suffering and run after happiness is a wrong attitude. Because where there is no suffering, there is no happiness. And that is why the practice is to learn to make good use of uh, suffering in order to produce happiness. It is like uh, when you when you practice uh, organic uh, gardening, you don't throw away any garbage. As a good uh, organic gardener, you don't throw away the, the, the garbage. You keep the garbage and you, you make them into compost in order to nourish uh, vegetables and flowers. You don't throw away. A flower is beautiful, fragrant, but because things are impermanent, a flower is to become a piece of garbage in 10 days. Looking into a flower, you can see non-flower elements. You can see the compost. Looking into a lotus flower, you can see the mud. Without the mud, there is no lotus flower. And that is meditation. The flower 
is still a flower. It has not become a piece of garbage yet. And yet when you look, you can see the garbage that has um, been made, then, uh, that has been used in order to, to produce uh, the flower. And those who do not know how to meditate have to wait a few weeks to see the flower become becoming a piece of garbage again. The flower is on her way to become a piece of garbage. And the garbage is on her way to become a flower. The same thing is true with suffering and happiness. If you do not know how to handle your happiness, your happiness will turn into something else, suffering. Your love, no matter how beautiful it is, if you don't know how to nourish your love, it will turn into hate or despair, a piece of garbage. But you don't despair. If you know the art of organic gardening, you are not afraid. You say, Ah, my little, my little garbage, I know you are there, I'm not afraid. I will make good use of you so that you will become composed and nourish other flowers. And this is the art of practice. We are for happiness, yes, but we should learn how to handle suffering. Good, making good use of suffering in order to create happiness. So in this practice of mindfulness, we focus our attention not only on the positive things to enjoy, but we also are capable of handling the suffering so that we can suffer less and we can, pro- we can make good use of suffering in order to produce uh, joy and happiness. So a practitioner that is um, doing well has the capacity of generating happiness. And she also has the capacity to, to, to manage, to take care of the suffering, to handle suffering, and make good use of the suffering in order to produce uh, joy and happiness. We should not be afraid of suffering. We should learn how to go home and embrace our suffering tenderly with the energy of mindfulness. That is why my definition of the kingdom of God is not a place where there is no suffering, because I know that if there is no mud, there will be no lotus. My definition of the kingdom of God is a place where there is plenty of uh, understanding and compassion. And understanding and compassion is what we can produce by the practice. And in, the, in the practice of generating understanding and compassion, we need a quantity, a dose of suffering. And that is why a good practitioner should, should, should know about the goodness of suffering, the goodness of suffering. If you have not suffered, that's not good. 
because you have suffered, you have something to make use of in order to produce happiness. So we should not be afraid of suffering. We should learn how to handle, how to make good use of the suffering, whether that is uh, suffering of the individual and the, or the suffering of the whole nation. We have to learn, we have to make good use of suffering. The second thing we have to remember, the first thing, making good use of suffering. The second thing is recognize the presence of the kingdom of God in the here and the now. Do not think of the kingdom of something in the future and elsewhere. To me, the kingdom of heaven is well on earth. Everything around us and in us is a wonder. And it is possible for us to experience the kingdom of God every moment of our daily life in the here and the now. That's the second thing I recommend. And the practice of mindfulness helps us to go home again and again to the kingdom for our nourishment and healing. And the third thing, that we should uh, we should rediscover Jesus as a teacher, a spiritual teacher, not only a God but a spiritual teacher, and show He show us the way to live in such a way that we have the kingdom of God day to day and you don't have to run after fame, wealth, sensual pleasure. We have to make a U-turn. We should not continue to go in the direction of consumerism that has corrupted and the lady and the clergy. We have to go home and learn to live like Jesus. He showed us the way. And uh, learning Buddhist meditation, we don't have to become a Buddhist. We can very well remain a Christian. And we become a better Christian if we know how to apply uh, the practice in order to realize uh, the teaching that Jesus Christ has uh, uh, given to us. It's very clear. We can read the Gospel again. The teaching about living in the here and the now and not to worry 
too much about the future is found in the Gospel. In Matthew 6.34, Jesus said that let's not worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. It's very clear. Jesus gave the same teaching as the Buddhas. The Buddha said, the past is already gone, the future is not yet there. There's only one moment when you can be truly alive, that is the present moment. Take care of the present moment. When you are established really in the here and the now, you know what to do and what not to do in order to handle suffering and to produce happiness. And if we know how the best way to handle the present, and if we have done everything you can do for the present, it means you have done everything you do for the future. Because the future is made of only one substance, the present. And if we take care of the present the best way we can, that is everything we can do already for the future. Why we have to worry about future? Take care of the present moment the best way we say we can. And that is clear in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. I don't need uh, tomorrow's bread. Tomorrow is for tomorrow. I take care of today only. So the teaching of living in the present moment is very clear in the original teaching of Christianity. If we are truly in the here and the now, we can take care of our body, learn to love and take care of ourselves recognize and cherish the presence of our beloved one and do today anything we can do in order to make them happy, not to wait until tomorrow. And the practice of mindfulness can help us uh, to realize this teaching of Jesus Christ. When you breathe in, you bring your mind home to the body and you are established in the here and the now. You release the tension in your body And when the tension is released, your body has acquired the capacity to heal itself. Many diseases are born from tension, stress. And that is the practice of uh, love. Before you can love another person and make him or her happy, you have to love yourself. You have to take care of yourself. And the practice of mindfulness is very concrete. First of all, go back to your body by the way of mindful breathing. Breathing in, I'm aware of my body. 
Breathing out, I release the tension in my body. When the tension is released, the pain in the body will be reduced. And the body acquires, restores its capacity to heal. We should not rely only on medication. We have to help our body. And then going home to the here and the now, getting in touch with many wonders of life, refreshing and healing. We can allow these wonders of life to heal ourselves. Mindfulness practice can help us recognize the many, many conditions of happiness that are already available in the here and the now so that we can generate a feeling of joy, generate a feeling of happiness right now because so many conditions of happiness are already available. And you can remind the other person that she is uh, very lucky. She has many, many conditions to be happy. She doesn't have to go run into the future and look for some more conditions of happiness. And then with mindful breathing, mindful walking or sitting, we can recognize the painful feeling that arises in us and learn to embrace our painful feeling in such a way that we can get a relief. If we, are, if we notice that there is a strong emotion coming, we should know how to be ready in order to handle the strong emotion. There's so many young people who do not know how to handle a strong emotion. And they believe that the only way to, to stop the suffering is to go and kill themselves. That is why so many young people committing suicide. But with mindfulness, we can find out that we are much more than one emotion. We are the body. We are the feelings. We are the mental formations. We are consciousness. The territory of our person is huge. And an emotion is just a tiny thing. Why do we have to die just because of one emotion? One emotion is something that comes, stays for some time, and finally has to go. Why do we have to die because of one emotion? We have to write the sentence down. We have to remind the young people of that. Do not die just because of one emotion. That's silly. And there are ways that can help us to handle a strong emotion. Suppose uh, you learn the practice of mindful breathing, deep breathing, breathing with your abdomen. When you breathe in deeply, your abdomen rises. And when you breathe out long enough, it's falling.
So when you notice that the strong emotion is coming, you have to prepare. You sit up like a mountain. Uh, you lie down like a river. And you begin to focus your attention on your abdomen and begin to breathe in and to breathe out. You might notice the rise and the fall of your abdomen. Breathing in is rising, breathing out is falling, and you just focus your attention 100% on that. It's very helpful. You should not stay on the level of the brain. The more you think about it, the stronger the emotion will become. So in the time of an emotion, an emotion, we should not stay up here on the level of the head. Stop thinking. Go down here to the abdomen on the level of the navel, a little bit lower. It's called a dandian point. And focus your attention on the rise and fall of your abdomen. Breathing in is rising, breathing out is falling. And just do that. And you are safe. And you wait until the emotion is gone. Look at a tree in a storm. If you focus your attention on the top of the tree, you feel the fragility of the tree. You might think that the tree will be blown away. But if you look, direct your attention down to the trunk, you see that the tree is strong enough. The tree is deeply rooted in the ground. So you know that the tree will stand. So our human body is like a tree. In the time of a storm, the time of strong emotion, we should not stay up here on the level of the thinking. We may be blown away. But if we know how to bring our mind down here to the trunk, Time to breathe. You know, uh, the practice uh, helps us to get a good habit. At a time like that, you just remember to go to go back to yourself and breathe, and you can retain your calm. So uh, you go down to the trunk, and you embrace the trunk here, and you feel safe. The emotion cannot do anything to you. And you can breathe like that five or 10 or 15 minutes until the emotion go away. Just remember one thing. It's silly to die just because of one emotion. Smile to your emotion and breathe.
But don't wait until you have a strong emotion to start uh, doing that, because uh, you'll be overwhelmed by it. You may be carried away. You don't remember the practice. So that is why we had to to learn today. The emotion is not yet there, but uh, I'm preparing myself. Every day I would uh, practice breathing in and out deeply with my abdomen, five, ten minutes. And in a few weeks it becomes a habit, a good habit. And when the emotion comes, I will remember to, to practice. And when I get out of one emotion, I have self-confidence. I'm not afraid anymore. Next time when a strong emotion comes, I will do just that. So it's no fear anymore. And you have to tell the young people, even that is a child. A child can have a strong emotion. And you can hold his hand, her hand, and you say, darling, Breathe in with mommy, breathe in with daddy. You know, when we breathe in, our abdomen is rising, when we breathe out, it's falling. See? Rising, falling. And you channel to him some of your energy of mindfulness. And you teach your child to breathe in and out with abdomen. And she, with your help, she will forget and overcome the crisis very soon, until she can do it by herself. And if you train uh, adolescent uh, teenagers, teenager to do that, you may help uh, his life or her life, because uh, she will know how to breathe at the time of a strong emotion. If you are parents, learn and master the practice and transmit that practice to your children. If you are a school teacher, you can master the practice and teach your students in school to do the same. When you have uh, learned a mindful way of dealing with your anger, with your emotion, when you have learned a mindful way of producing a feeling of joy, happiness, you may like to share, because you have the light. It's like in uh, Matthew 5.16. Let your light shine before man and woman. You can share your practice. There are 16 exercises of mindful breathing. The first one is breathing in. I know this is uh, my in-breath. Breathing out, 
I know this is my own brain. And that exercise is to recognize your in-breath and to be with your in-breath and your out-breath. It's very simple. When you breathe in, just focus all your attention on your in-breath and to be with your in-breath entirely. And suddenly you become free from the past, from the future, from your worries. And you can enjoy breathing in also. Especially when your nose is free and when the air is fresh. And when you breathe in, you feel alive. You touch the miracle of being alive. Because uh, to be alive is a real miracle. The greatest of all miracles. So that first exercise, although it is simple, the effect is uh, great. Breathing in mindfully can set you free, free from the past, from the future. And you bring you to the here and the now for you to experience the kingdom of God and its wonders. The second um, exercise is breathing in. I follow my in-breath all the way through. Suppose this is uh, the length of my in-breath. It begins here. And suppose this is my my mind. Breathing in, I follow my in-breath all the way through. Breathing out, I follow my out-breath all the way through. It means that during the three seconds of breathing in, there is no interruption of mindfulness. You are fully concentrated on your, on your in-breath. And that makes the pleasure deeper. That makes the pleasure of breathing in deeper. Improve the quality of your in-breath. And the same thing is true with uh, your out-breath. Breathe now, I follow my out-breath all the way through. And during the time you breathe in and out like that, you generate energy of mindfulness and concentration. And mindfulness and concentration always bring you the insight. The many kinds of insight. First of all, the insight that you are alive, that you have a body, that the kingdom and the, the next insight is that uh, the kingdom of God is available in the here and the now. You don't need to practice eight years in order to have that kind of insight. Maybe the first few in-breaths can already put you in touch with the kingdom of God, with the fact that to be alive is a miracle. The third exercise of mindful breathing is to come home to your body. Breathing in, I'm aware of my body. My body is one of the wonders of life. My body belongs also to the kingdom of God. And you feel grateful to Mother Earth 
that has uh, produced, uh, that has helped uh, this body to manifest as a wonder. Breathing in, I'm aware of this body. This is a, an act of uh, reunion, an act of uh, reconciliation between mind and body. Mind going home to the body and take care of the body. And the fourth exercise is to release the tension in the body. When you go home to your body, you may notice that there is a tension and pain in your body. And that is why you practice the fourth exercise in order to help your body release the tension and you feel better, more peaceful. So the first exercise is to be with your in-breath and your out-breath. And uh, the second exercise is to follow the in-breath and the out-breath all the way through to increase the, the the quality of uh, mindfulness and concentration. And uh, the third exercise is uh, to, to be with your body. Breathing in, I am aware of this body, and you are there for your body. Recognize your body as a wonder. And the fourth is to release the tension. In body. And we can uh, practice these four exercises everywhere and at any time of the daily of the daily life. Even when you drive your car, even when you do the dishes, even when you cook your your breakfast. And with the fifth exercise, we come to the realm of feelings. This is the realm of the body. This is the realm of feeling. I'm breathing in. I produce a feeling of joy.
and the six I produce a feeling of uh, happiness. In the Buddhist tradition, there is a distinction, a little small distinction between joy and happiness. Suppose uh, a traveler walking crossing a desert and he, he ran out of water, very thirsty. Suddenly, he see an oasis, a group of trees and a lake. So the joy is born. In just 15 or 20 minutes, he will be able to rest in the shade of the trees and begin to drink the water. That is joy. And when he actually arrives and kneels down and scoops the water and drink, that is happiness. So there may be some excitement in joy, but when you come to happiness, you are calmer. And this is possible because uh, when you bring your mind home to your body, you are establishing the here and the now, and you notice there are so many wonders of life that are around. And in the gospel, it is at the kingdom of God. In Buddhism, they use the word the pure land of the Buddha, the happy land of the Buddha. So everything is beautiful. Everything is refreshing and healing, and you may like to, to, to get the nourishment and healing from that. And we can play a role in order to maintain the kingdom beautiful and not to destroy the kingdom. In fact, in our modern society, in our attempt to consume, well, we are causing damage to the kingdom of God. You are making Mother Earth suffer. And Mother Earth suffer and we suffer along. The kingdom of God is not something abstract. It's very real. It's very concrete. It can be touched in every piece of dust, every molecule of air. The morning sun dries, the evening sunset, the rain, the snow, everything belongs to the kingdom of God. And then when we come to the seventh, we notice the seventh is to practice uh, when you notice that a painful feeling arises, and you should be there for your, your for your pain, for your painful feeling. You can be there with your painful feeling without fear because you are equipped with the energy of mindfulness. People are afraid of going home because they think that they have to suffer when they get in touch with 
the pain, the sorrow, the fear. That is why they always try to run away. But we are a practitioner. We know how to generate the feeling of, of uh, generate the energy of mindfulness and concentration. We have that energy of mindfulness. That is why we can go home without fear. And we can say, good morning, my little fear. I know you are there. I will take good care of you. That is the voice of, uh, of uh, mindfulness, the voice of uh, the Buddha. That is the Holy Spirit that is with you. That is why you are not afraid. You can go home and take care of uh, the anger, the fear inside of you. The image that we offered last night is um, a child that suffers. And when the mother hears the child cry, she knows that what she does, she has to do at that moment is to stop everything else and go to the room of the baby and pick the baby up and hold, hold the baby tenderly. So your fear, your anger is your baby. She's crying. She needs you. Why do you, have, do, do you run from her? You have to go back. And if you have that tenderness of a mother, if you have that energy of mindful, mindfulness, you can recognize, oh, my baby, fear, I know you are there, I will take good care of you. So there is the energy of pain, and there is the energy of mindfulness generated by your practice of mindful walking, mindful breathing, and you recognize and you embrace. That is the eighth uh, exercise of mindful breathing, to calm, to release the tension of the pain. There are another set of eight uh, exercises of mindful breathing that we may learn uh, tomorrow or after tomorrow. So now it's time for us to do walking meditation. And we shall walk in such a way that we can enjoy every step. And each step can touch the kingdom of God in the here and the now with mindfulness and concentration. We have to train ourselves to walk in the kingdom and make happiness and joy possible in the here and the now without having to consume more 